All right, well, once again, uh, my name is Truman. I'll put this back here. Truman, Truman Wold. And I've uh, uh, been coming to, uh, to this church for 10 years. We moved here um, from the mainland uh, in 2011, so it's been 10 years. Me and Leslie and Severin and Tierney, uh, pretty much they grew up here um, and now are both in college. So uh, we're really happy to have them back home uh, right now from college. Um, and like I said, uh, I'm the relief pitcher. Jack is out right now. Relievers, there's not a lot expected out of them. Just don't mess up. <laughs> so that's kind of my, my hope is I don't mess up. The closer's coming later. And so, uh, 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 and, and then when Jack said, first asked me to do this, I was, I was actually uh, a relief. I was like an alternate. But then I got moved up to the front. And, and I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> And so I thought, I, I'll just go back to one of my youth church messages that I had given, um, and I'll just redo that. That'll be easy. And then, because and, I was going to pull out angels. What are angels? What are they, what are, you know, kind of creatures are they, and what do we know about them? But then Jack sent me uh, just a little message. Yeah, make sure it's, you teach on something that Jesus has been working on in your life. So, bam, I couldn't do that. <laughs> uh, so. So what I am going to talk about today is uh, abundance, what Jesus, uh, what abundance he has for us. What does that really mean to us um, in our daily lives? So um, first off, prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to uh, stretch my boundaries, but please uh, push me aside and uh, speak through me uh, to this congregation. Um, uh, be with us, settle down here in with us. And, uh, and help us celebrate your day. Amen. All right. So let's, the, the first uh, verse that I want to go through is John, in John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. <clears throat> uh, then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So first illustration that Jesus has here is the illustration of the shepherd and the, uh, the shepherd sleeping in the doorway. And, and uh, where that came from back in that time, the shepherds uh, at night would uh, put the sheep in some sort of corral. Maybe it's a natural corral, a cave, or um, a man-made corral. And then the shepherd would actually sleep in the doorway. And so lay down right there. And so no one gets into the sheep without uh, waking him and, and going through him. Um, <clears throat> and, then, and, then he, and then he talks about the thieves and the robbers, thieves and the robbers that would come and steal the sheep. Um, wh who is he talking about? He's talking about people who have come before him, men of God who have come before him, preaching false uh, prophecies and uh, there to just con people. So they're con artists. Um, they were there before Jesus, and they've been there ever since, and we have them today. <clears throat> um, they're, they're here to steal from us, steal that good life that uh, Jesus has promised us. But Jesus is lying in that doorway uh, for us. And so who is the thief in chief? Who is the, uh, the thieves and robbers, uh, um, their, their commander? That is Satan, of course. And Satan's job, what does he want to do? He wants to mess things up for us. 
Uh, he is anti-God. He is he's mad at God, and he's, and he's uh, trying to destroy our lives in any way he can. <clears throat> so um, Jesus talks about um, the sheep uh, will not hear those robbers. Uh, dutiful sheep hear and follow their shepherd um, by the sound of their voice. And uh, we have sheep. We have a few sheep at our house. And so when, when I want to call a sheep in for, to, to feed them, I go, whee, whee. They pop their little heads up, and they run across the pasture, and they come right over. They hear my voice, and they know who I am. Leslie, what do you do when you want to call a sheep? <laughs> so every, the whole neighborhood knows those sounds, right, including the sheep. Um, <clears throat> Um, and then Jesus also goes on to say he, he wants to uh, promise abundant life. And, and what does that mean? Jesus' promise of abundant life. And that's what we're going to talk about. I've heard um, at, my, uh, at my last church, I would hear every once in a while, um, preachers say that uh, God wants us to be happy. And so he will give us things. And that never sat right with me. It's like, like um, yeah, he loves us. God can do anything for us. God can save us from the anarchy of the world and the chaos that's going around. Um, but he, he lets the world go. And so uh, when, sometimes he, he intervenes, sometimes he doesn't. So then why would he be rewarding people who are good people, good people, with things? And so that never really, really sat right with, with me. But it, it seems sort of like a justification of why uh, I want to buy a fancy car. Or why I want to wear flashy suits, flashy clothes. Um, what, what is that for? Partially for me, but mostly so everyone else sees how cool I am and how, how good I am. And so that, it, it wasn't like, like prominent in the church, but every once in a while I would hear that. Um, so it, it's always bothered me, that, that mindset uh, within the Christian church, that, that idea that, that is out there, that if you're good... God will give you things. If you're good, God will save you. And we know that's not true. What about all the people who, you know, terrible things happen to them, happen to their family? Is it because they're bad people? No, it's because of the chaos of the world. And Jesus using, can use these situations to teach us and, uh, and allow us to grow and grow closer to him. One of the, um, one of the, the uh, sects or faith uh, out there is word of faith. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of these guys. Um, they are um, completely unbiblical uh, in the way they have, have distorted what's in the Bible. Um, uh, the word of faith, they believe that you can speak things into existence. Um, if I say it the right way, then uh, I'm forcing God to give it to me. And so that's something that we don't have the power to do. I can't make God do anything. God is there for me, but he's not there at my bidding at all. <clears throat> so if you see the word of faith stuff, stay away from, from all those guys. Um, another general thing that churches don't really call themselves, as far as I know, is the prosperity gospel. Um, this is an idea that, uh, that's a little less rigorous than that word of faith where you have rules and you know, I can speak things and I get things. Um, the prosperity gospel is more based on... Um, how God, God wants me to be happy. God wants to give me things. And so how can I make that happen uh, for myself? And so it's sort of a mindset. And, but there are churches that are, that are based around that. 
Um, <clears throat> what they're and what they the way they the way they they they, uh, they think of this is that if you tithe, that's a an investment, and it's an investment in in this world right here. So if I give to God some money, ten percent of my income, that's an investment, and He's going to pay me back double, triple, quadruple. If I invest more in the church, then He's and then I get more return. This is monetary. This is financial, um, and that's and that's completely wrong way to think about God and the church. <clears throat> Although I found a uh, uh, a survey that said that uh, they it pulled uh, Christians and said 17% of American Christians they um, explicitly identify with this prosperity gospel. So there's a big proportion of Christians who believe this that if I'm good. I give to the church, I'm going to get physically things back. Um, and then 61% uh, of these people polled believe that God wants us to be prosperous. God's intention is for us to be prosperous. And so if we're doing something that prevents that, that's why we're not prosperous. So that's a disturbingly large number of people. Um, uh, and again, they're looking at tithing as an investment. Um, <clears throat> Now, one of the one of the, the parts of the Bible where this came from is Proverbs, Proverbs three chapters nine or verses nine and ten. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Sounds pretty explicit. If I give to God my first fruits, your ten percent. The first fruits is the is is the the best of your crop. And the new wine is the first pressing of things, you know. Give that to God, 10% of that to God. And my barns are going to be filled with plenty. Pretty, pretty explicit. Um, the vats will overflow with new wine. Um, th this is not a, um, uh, 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 and it, and it, what's the words I was going to use? It, what's the word? Literal. literal, right. It's not the literal uh, description. It, it's a figurative description. You know, your life will be abundant. How do I, uh, how does God tell us that? He gives, it, gives us a, a physical metaphor for that. <clears throat> and again, this is, this is based on if I do something, then I'm forcing God to do something in return. And that is not part of the equation. Um, <clears throat> some of the people that have done this, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, Jim Baker, they pretty much were uh, in tune with that. And... Uh, Amassed millions, amassed a lot of power, a lot of fame, but they, um, they everything went down in flames with uh, the bakers. Um, <clears throat> lots of uh, creative accounting, lots of siphoning off, lots of shady deals. In fact, Jim Baker actually kept two different accounting books, one to show to the tax people and one to know exactly where all the money was. And so <clears throat> he, he and Tammy Faye obviously started out Godly and with great intention, um, but something got in the way along the way, and I'm thinking it's the money that that is distracting. It's the uh, the uh, and you can even um, justify it. I'm I'm amassing this money so that I can do something good, but maybe some get siphoned off into a lavish lifestyle. Maybe my transportation from here to there isn't on the bus or uh, or driving. Maybe it's my own private jet. You know things like that. Um, and so I'm, I'm convinced that they, it's a slow process. 
and uh, they just gotten distracted by the material things of this world. Um, another one is uh, uh, a current guy, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. He's got the Lakewood Mega Church in Houston, and so he is very um, popular. He writes lots of books. He is very biblical for the most part, except for this uh, prosperity gospel um, thing that he's, he's been doing. He is very rich. It's worked for him. Um, and, and, but a lot of that is from selling books and, and good messages in those books. But you've got to worry about which parts of those messages are tainted by this prosperity uh, gospel. One of the, um, one of the things that, that, that happened with his church was kind of shining a light on where their focus is, is when it was Hurricane Harvey came through, through Houston. Um, his giant church, I mean, it's like, oh, it's actually where one of the basketball teams played, that they took it over. It's a giant uh, sports arena. Um, they closed their doors. They didn't open the doors to, to the flood victims and the hurricane victims for a while. It took a little while for them to do that. And, and why, would it, why would they not do that? Why would they, they, they shut the doors? Worried about my stuff. I got a good thing going here. I got a really nice church. I got, I got clean pews. Uh, and I don't want a bunch of people in here. And so that's the wrong focus again. So it's kind of another indication of um, uh, being focused on the wrong thing. Um, so also uh, uh, there's another passage, Philippians, where, um, where Paul talks a lot about this kind of thing. And so I'm going to really read Philippians 4. I'm going to do verses 4 through 20. But first I'm going to do uh, verses 4 through 9. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So this passage is just full of instructions. I mean, this is a great letter. He's writing to a couple of women in Philippi. And so there's kind of some, some details of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm traveling to you. But then he, he lapses into these, this great instruction that he's got. <clears throat> Paul tells us to rejoice in the joy of a relationship with God. That's what we're, we're to be focused on, is this relationship with God. <clears throat> and uh, he, he promises the peace of God, which blocks out all of our fear and fills us with contentment and joy. Um, that and, and that's a major thing that God gives us, is, is this peace. Um, just Friday, we had a little fire up in our neighborhood, um, which wasn't broadcast widely on the, on the news. And, and by the time uh, Leslie and I really, well, Leslie knew about it. She'd heard about it. I didn't hear anything about it. And it was about 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, and we heard there was a little brush fire. And uh, so we called home. Tierney was at home. And she said, the place is full of smoke. The sky is black with smoke, or brown with smoke, right? 
and ash is falling in the yard. And I said, well, we better get home. So we boogied right home. And as we were driving home, on Pohokea Road, going up there, flames, 15-foot high flames, are right there next to the road. And they said, well, this is pretty serious. And so when we got home, it was, and Severin was, was, was stuck on the other side of traffic, he did eventually make it home pretty uh, soon after that, that we got there. It was pretty clear we got to pack up and go, right? Because our lives are in danger. Um, so we need to get ourselves out of there. So what do we take? We take things that we need to stay the night. We take really some of the, the more important things, you know, bring the laptop computer, um, bring a couple pictures. Um, but uh, for the most part, we packed up clothes and cats. So we had to get all four cats. <laughs> Herding cats, that's what we were doing. <laughs> so we were all set, and, and, uh, and we, it, it turns out that, that they diverted the flames and it did not come to our house, but, uh, and so we were really lucky. But uh, we reflected on that night, that, that night. It's like, look what, what we packed. What was important to us, you know? We had each had a little suitcase. That's about it that we had. And so I was pretty proud of that, is that what is important, it's our lives, our cat's lives. Uh, <laughs> and, and when we said, where are we going to go? Friends. They were right there for us. We've got a house for you. We've got a house here. And, and so we had no worry about that. And so that's that peace that we had. We, had, we didn't have to have our things. We, didn't, we weren't measuring our worth in, in the things that we had. Um, now, Paul also lists the things to meditate on. So meditate on, this is to dwell on. Things to think about. Things to focus on. Um, things that are noble. Things that are just. Things that are pure. Lovely. Things of good report virtue and praiseworthy. So these aren't physical things. These aren't things of gold and diamonds um, or fancy cars. These are human attributes and godly attributes that we're supposed to be uh, focusing on. Uh, and so these are the things that all Christians should be focused on rather than material things. So let's move on with Philippians uh, 4, verses 10 through 20. Paul goes on. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid, and one, aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, uh, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall apply all your, lead, your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul here is thanking the Philippians for providing for his needs. Um, but what is he thanking them for? 
He's not thanking them for the stuff that they gave him. He's thanking them for their giving heart, for their, for their concern over him, for them taking out the effort to um, uh, make sure that he's okay. So I think that's very, very interesting. He's not thinking, uh, thanking them for the stuff, for food, um, but for their hearts. <clears throat> now, um, Paul, as you know, left uh, a life of wealth, power, uh, for, to serve the Lord. And when he did that, he served in relative poverty. Um, he worked his way, he was a tent maker, and so he worked his way from town to town and relied on the churches to support him in spreading the gospel of, of God. So that was a lot that he had given up um, materially of the world. He had given these things up. And he was pre previously um, uh, not a very happy man. It doesn't seem like he was very um, um, angry, uh, judgmental. And he turned into the loveliest person who cares so much about everyone around him. <clears throat> leaving the life of materialism behind and uh, moving to God's life. <clears throat> so Paul says in here that he had to learn how to be content with little. It wasn't, it's not natural, not, not human nature, to be content with not very much food or uh, uh, you know, not, uh, no new clothes, uh, shoes falling apart. But he learned how to do that. <clears throat> and that is... One of the gifts from God that, that he gave to Paul, and he gives to all of us, is, is again, what is that abundance? What, are, what is he giving us versus what does the world have for us? <clears throat> and Jesus does, also gives us the power to do anything through him. I think that's very powerful in here. Um, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and finally, God promises to fill all of our needs all of our needs, and I think that's a very good word, it's not our desires, he's fulfilling all our needs. Now, <clears throat> so I was thinking before, uh, before uh, coming up here, um, what are the world's idea of abundance? So we've got God's idea of abundance and the world's idea of abundance. Um, three major things that I, I wanna talk about that the world has, money, power, and fame. And so some of the, the uh, I'm going to relate some of my experiences that I've had with each of these three. So money, uh, first part. I, I'm an engineer, mechanical engineer, and when I was in Salt Lake City, um, worked at a research and development company um, called Ceramitech, and we did high-tech um, uh, high uh, batteries and um, um, uh, electrochemical devices, you know, so research and development for, for new things. We got a contract to work with a company called Technical Concepts, small company in, uh, outside of Chicago, uh, Libertyville, uh, Illinois, is, um, is where they were. And they were very innovative, small company, and they made the, uh, uh, the touchless products in bathrooms. So all the, you stick your hand under the sink and the water comes on, they made those things. They're the ones that developed that kind of thing. Small company made this thing, and the soap dispensers, and uh, they were all about, you know, uh, uh, touchless in the, in the bathrooms. And so they were working with us to develop a new uh, air fragrance device, high-tech one, not just a cake of, of uh, perfume that, that evaporates non-linearly. So we, and we developed this wonderful product um, and got it to market. And so they were very, very, very successful. Small company being a worldwide uh, influencer. 
the, uh, and it was a joy to work with them. It was, it was great. Their board said, wow, what have we got right here? We got a little gold mine, so let's sell this company. So they hired a new um, um, chief off operating officer whose goal was to sell the company. And uh, he was successful. The rest of the company, not so successful. So uh, they worked over, took them about a year to find a, a buyer. Um, and they found a buyer in Rubbermaid, giant company in Pennsylvania is the division that they were, they were sold to. And lo and behold, nobody, none of those people who had deep roots in Illinois wanted to move to Pennsylvania. The people in Pennsylvania didn't want to hear anything from the guys from Illinois, so they just kind of transferred over stuff. They transferred over patents and machinery and rights, and that product line went nowhere. So that company, Rubbermaid, paid a bunch of money, millions of dollars, to a few people at the Technical Concepts that made a bunch of money, but it was really tragic to see just the collapse of this wonderful little, little company, and, and it's gone. So that was my experience with, uh, with money and how it can just benefit just a few and, and leave a lot of people hanging. So that was disappointing. Uh, power, next power. One of my first, first jobs out of college, I worked with Hercules Aerospace, which made uh, rocket motors. Um, pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff. Um, and so one of my, one of my first big job was to uh, design and build uh, a mandrels, a mandrel for the, the, the Delta II rocket motor. The mandrel is the form that you wrap the rubber on and then the graphite on and you cook it and now you have the shell. So that's the, the casing for the rocket motor. You know, the thing you see, fill it full of propellant and the thing blasts off. And so I had to design the mandrel. It, was, it belonged to a different engineer first and he developed it and, and got a drawing together and they transferred it over to me. I forget why. I, assume, I learned a lot on this job because I assumed, since I have a drawing that's finished, that he had done stress analysis on that. He hadn't done full stress analysis on it. I neglected to double check. We built the first one, got it in house, and it was not working. It's making all these strange noises, banging and popping noises. It's a mandrel's like a like a water bottle on a spit, and you spin it around on a on a on a machine, and you wrap all this stuff on top of it. So they're turning this thing. Thing costs like I think it was seven hundred thousand dollars for this one thing. They're turning it, and it's making these bang, bang, pop bang noises and so now I had a big problem on my hands and everyone's looking at me it's the first first tool in the whole project so nothing can happen until this thing gets done and so we're looking at a big big delay very stressful um, I got there was a couple of project managers that were working on this one was the son-in-law of one of the big managers he saw an opportunity to advance in the company gain power by attacking me. So instead of solving the problem, he spent all of his time making sure everyone knew how bad of a job I had done and how, how much of my fault it was, not looking forward to how do, what do we do next and how do we fix this. And so um, that was the guy working on power. And he did, he did move up uh, to a certain level. Um, there was another manager who, who was much more friendly. He was very professional. But it was like, how do we fix this thing? And so he was helping me fix the thing. Um, the uh, the son-in-law drifted out of view. Every, nobody liked him. <laughs> I can't imagine why. And so his bid for power worked for a little bit, but then uh, then it faded away. 
um, because he was not a very nice person. The other guy who was, who was much better uh, res uh, 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 results-oriented, uh, he, he was still there for many, many years and, and was, was very successful. So his use of power was much, uh, much more appropriate. Third was fame. Fame. People want to be famous. Um, so I, had a, I, I used to be semi-famous. I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can reflect back on it now, and it was it was kind of cool to be semi-famous. Um, it was at a radio station. I it was a volunteer at a local community radio station in Salt Lake City, and um, I, I did uh, a late night blues show for years and years and years. Monday nights, um, I, I played blues. Um, when I first volunteered. Um, they asked me, you know, uh, what, what kind of music do you want to play if you've got a, a show? And I said, well, I like reggae, but I also like blues. They, they said, well, our blues guy just went to Alaska for the summer for, on vacation. And I said, I like blues a lot. So they gave me his show. And so uh, that, his name was Brian. <clears throat> so Brian's off in Alaska. He comes back, his show's gone. I said, what? Well, um, but Brian was all about... Not so much about the music, not so much about you know, making a really good show, but bringing fame to himself. He was very self-centered in that way. He still is. Um, <laughs> so uh, he, when I was there making, uh, bringing a radio show every Monday night, year after year after year, actually it was over 20 years that I did that, and I got better at it. First, I wasn't very good, but I got better at it, and I really, really enjoyed it, really loved doing that. One of the... so so. Uh, what, what would happen is sometimes we would be asked as, as programmers there to go help at a music festival, at a concert, introduce the band. Because if you're a you know, blues DJ, some people know your name, and so it brings some credibility to the venue. And so um, I got to actually introduce bands a few times up on stage, which is very, very exciting, a little too exciting for me. Uh, worse than this, <laughs> standing in front of you guys. <laughs> Thousands of people, and you're blinded by the spotlight. Um, uh, but it was fun. It was cool. You know, I got to stand next to John Mayall and, and uh, all these. Uh, I met a Rolling Stone one time. And uh, so uh, it was really a lot of fun being able to do that. So, but my main focus was, was the music and, and putting on a good show. Brian's uh, focus all this time was, was, uh, was fame, focus on himself. So he was the one that was always on stage announcing things. But he hardly ever did a show. So his, he was kind of, he wasn't resting on solid ground there. He, and uh, um, he, uh, I, it, I found out that I was semi-famous after a while. No one knew what I looked like, but they knew my name and they knew my voice. So when I would go up on stage and introduce the band, I would hear noise all of a sudden. And, or when I'm walking through the crowd, yeah, that's Truman over there. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> But my, my main joy was being doing that show all by myself down at the radio station, putting together these songs that sound good together. Uh, Brian, to this day, has been working on um, uh, just getting a big and bigger name for himself. Um, and so he is uh, all about himself. He's, he spends a lot of time on activities. He fills his life with activities as opposed to filling his life with people. So, uh, so he's got, like I say, a really thin uh, grounding underneath him. 
So that's the world. What is God's idea of abundance? So three things I want to talk about there is love, concern for others, and peace. So love, Matthew uh, chapter 22, verse 37 says, of course, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? That's the one, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So we know that, that that relationship that we have with God, that love that we have for God, but more importantly, that love that he has for us is the whole main reason for us being here. Um, <clears throat> people may come and go. You love people, maybe things don't work out, people leave, people change, um, you lose track of people, they may come and go, but you always have God right there, right in your heart all the time. <clears throat> Um, and that, that's a permanent relationship that we have, something that we can keep with us all the time. So paramount is love, concern for others. So the next verse, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I found that that's really become a big thing that, that I fill my time with, is thinking about others, doing for others, serving other people. Um, and so, and it's very rewarding for me uh, because I'm be able to help other people. <clears throat> so, thinking about others is is having compassion for others, uh, the the difficulties that other people have, um, and and being compassionate about that, understanding and and wanting to help them, acceptance of who people are. People are different. I learned this at the radio station. I'm an engineer, and I'm with, and I think very linearly, and I'm with. Uh, all these artists, and, and the artists don't think linearly, and, and they reacted poorly to me asserting that this is the answer. We should make a decision to do this. They were like, no, no, we need to wallow around in this for a while. And so <laughs> it, it took, took me a while to figure out that people think differently. Their, their uh, thought process is differently. The things that they hold, hold important are different. Um, uh, and so having that acceptance of all these different people coming from different walks of life, coming from different um, perspectives, different trials that they've gone through, and just accepting them as they are, supporting those people. What do those people need? All these people around me. Uh, and people need different things. Um, and, and guiding people as, as Christians. What, how can we show people the goodness that we have in our lives and so that, that they can maybe get that in their lives as well? Not in a judging way, not judging people or correcting people. It's not our job to judge and correct. That's God's job to do those things. It's our, God, our job to be an example, be a guide, be compassionate for, to people. This gives our lives uh, a sense of purpose, which is in line with God's uh, sense of purpose. He loves us. He wants us to be with him. Uh, he wants us to take care of each other. And so if we do that, that we live our lives in a godly way um, by helping other people, being thinking about other people. And also, thinking about other people means you're not thinking about yourself and your own troubles. And so that, for me, also really helps. If I'm not dwelling on my own problems, then, <clears throat> then uh, and I'm thinking about other people, then I'm much happier. I don't have time to worry about those things, and those things shed away. They just fall away as we live our lives in the correct way. Um, 
So, and I, I see this with lots of people in, in, our, in our church, of course. Uh, just name a few. Carrie, Carrie Davids. She, is she out there? She's not out there. Carrie's one that comes up with all these community activities that we need to do. We need to do this. And so, okay, Carrie, all right, we're going to do this. It's a lot of work, but we're going to go ahead and do it. Um, Leningrad is bringing his wisdom to the, to the men's Bible studies. Um, Sissy prays for everybody and keeps us floating in, in prayer. And uh, where's mom and dad Huli? Are they here? The ones that take care of the entire church service, uh, Gloria and Lyle. Um, and, of course, our St. Patsy, who's uh, uh, listening right now. Uh, some of the few people that we have here who, are, who live their lives concerned about other people. Um, peace, the third thing I want to talk about. Um, so that's one of the things I've recognized in my life that I have now that I didn't used to have. Or I have much more of it now, an abundance of peace in my life. Peace, lack of worry, um, giving all our, our troubles to God, knowing that he's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it in his way, not in my way. And I just need to know that whatever he comes up with is the right thing, and it's going to be okay for me. And so that really has, has changed my life. I used to be more anxious. I would have, every once in a while, uh, you know, days of depression. I have much less of that now. Um, as I, my, my relationship with God has been growing and getting more firm, and that, that love that we have for each other, he's given me that peace. Um, God is always, always with us in every step that we go. And that allows us to, being absent of worry lets us live a life of joy in everything that we're doing. So peace and joy with, with life. Um, rather than looking towards how do I get to the next step, what am I I'm trying to achieve things, and worrying about that and having that gnaw away at you, just live your life with, with joy. <clears throat> and lastly, we get to look forward to a life with God in heaven. I mean, what is waiting for us is this, uh, the, the, this life with him up in heaven. That is the ultimate peace. <clears throat> so, in conclusion, wrap up for this. Um, if, you know, if wealth was a measure of godliness, then how come Jesus was so poor? Right? So, he left his... Um, he left... He didn't leave it behind. He changed from being the richest of rich. God is, uh, Jesus is God in heaven. He, he, um, he has all of everything. Came to earth as a man and, and made sure he didn't really have anything. He had, he had friends. He had support from people. But he didn't have a place to lay his head. Um, so he was not a materialistic human as he was on, on earth. <clears throat> and so... Jesus is pointing to that you don't need things in order to have a relationship with God. You need that relationship with God. <clears throat> so what is important? Um, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Well, what are we getting rich in? Not in material things, not in cars and clothes, we're getting rich in that relationship with God and that peace that he brings us. <clears throat> um, and, and so we started out with John 10, and so I wanted to repeat that again. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. <clears throat> so Jesus offers a life in him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. And God's promise of abundant life is love, peace, and compassion rather than money, power, and fame. <clears throat> so with that, we have uh, close with prayer. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for this opportunity to come together as a church. Thank you for this wonderful church body. Thank you for this, uh, this beautiful worship team that's going to be with, here, with us this moment. Please be with Jack and Candy and their family on, uh, on the mainland and uh, bring them joy and, uh, and fun uh, being together and bring Jack and Candy safely home to us. Amen.